0: We've got all the news right here. I'm gonna stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chicken intervention. Cause McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive-through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.
1: I'm Victoria Jones. I'm in for Leslie Marshall today for the next hour. Delighted to be with you. And we've got plenty coming up on the show today. Coming up a little bit later on in the second half of this hour, I want to talk with you about how the entire country and probably the world has just been held hostage by the whims of a man who is afraid of loss Of self, of being small, of being insignificant, of being little, and of disappearing. And we've been conned. And of somebody who is afraid, who's deeply afraid. And whose ego is so great and so small at the same time that he's been driven and drove us all along with it and I've felt this instinctively throughout the campaign, and it's been fascinating to see a piece in the New York Times about how, in fact, his language, his words, what he says and what he has said in previous interviews has borne this out and how he has lived his life, even going back to school, has borne this out. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Donald Trump. And I'm not talking about it from a partisan political point of view. I'm talking about it from a fascinated psychological point of view of the phenomenon of how did we let this happen? What has happened to us? And we can talk about that coming up later in the show. I wanted to talk first in the show about something that doesn't get talked about because we don't know it's going on. But child marriage, no, not in Afghanistan, not in some country in Africa. But right here, no, not being practiced by recent immigrants to this country, being practiced by America. And I'm joined to do this by Lely Miller-Muro, the founder and CEO of the Tahiré Justice Center. They've been doing a study on this and have found that it's prevalent. Laylee, thanks very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. So, first of all, the Tahereh Justice Center works with immigrant women and girls who will not be victims of violence. And you work with communities and the Congress and the courts to make sure that girls and women can enjoy equality and that they can live with dignity And in safety, and you work on a lot of different issues, uh, child marriage, forced marriage, human trafficking, domestic violence, female genital mutilation, all these issues.
0: Yes, that's right. And 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 the Tahari Justice Center is litigating around seven hundred cases at any given time um, of women and girls all over the country. Um, but a number of years ago, and, and as you mentioned, we do work on a wide range: human trafficking, female genital mutilation, honor crimes, domestic violence. But a number of years ago, we began to see a trend among people who were seeking our services who were children. They were U.S. citizens, sometimes first-generation immigrants, sometimes not, and they were being forced into marriage by their parents. Half of them, I would say, were being sent abroad for the marriage, often to a first cousin who was much older. The other half were here and were being forced into marriage right in the United States, and then legally forced into child marriage under U.S. law as it existed.
1: Now, that's where I I have to stop you, because this is the part that when you told me this yesterday had me gobsmacked, because legally forced into child marriage, and, and let's also clarify, what age are the children who are being forced into these marriages before we even go into the legal aspect of this?
0: Well, the data that we've gathered uh, shows that children are entering into, and these are judicially approved child marriages. So, right. under U.S. law, as young as ten years old, um, many of them are pregnant. And for those, if you're familiar with the laws around statutory rape, um, you know that it's a complete defense to statutory rape to be married to the victim. And so, also marrying your twelve year old girlfriend or a 13 year old girlfriend as a 30 year old, as a 25 year old, is a way to protect yourself legally from those interactions. And so what we were finding is that there were astonishing numbers of child and forced marriage. Tahere did a study a few years ago that revealed as many as 3,000 forced marriages in the United States in just over two years. And then over the last few months, we've been gathering statistics state by state to better understand the problem. And just to give you one example, in Virginia, we found 4,500 child marriages that were approved by the state over the last 10 years. In Texas, we found 4,500 approved child marriages that took place just in the last year alone. And so this is a huge problem that people really are not aware of. Who in the state is approving these marriages? Uh, Clerks. People who are standing behind desks who simply push papers. So there are several problems with the legal regime as it is now. So there are a number of states that do have minimum age requirements. In fact, most states have minimum age requirements for marriage, Um, But in all of those states, that minimum age requirement is waivable by the consent of parents. And so in a forced marriage scenario, there is zero protection for the child. We had a client, for example, who was at the court standing at the clerk's office crying and begging the clerk not to give the marriage certificate to her parents. And the clerk was looking at the and looking at the regulations behind the form, and she looked at our client and said, I'm so sorry, but there's no legal requirement here for your consent, only for your parents' consent. And so, you know, our law...
1: The child has no rights. The child has no rights at that point at all.
0: They have no rights. Nobody asks if they want to consent when they're objecting clearly, as this child was. Even the clerk has no recourse. Um, but, but in terms of ch- the child's rights, this becomes even more problematic after the marriage. So let's say the 13-year-old gets marriage, married, and, and maybe it's a perfect union, but what if she gets abused? There is no domestic violence shelter that will take someone under 18. If you are under 18, you have no legal right to hire a lawyer. You cannot contract. You don't have the ability to contract, so you can't hire a lawyer. Child Protective Services will refuse to intervene where you are married because that person is legally your guardian. And so the way the legal process works is that when the children enter into these marriages, if they go bad, they have virtually no way to get out, and there's no access to the normal laws for domestic violence victims, the shelters that exist. Children cannot access any of them.
1: Why has nobody been talking about this?
0: Well, we have been trying. (laughs) And the Tahirih Justice Center for the last few years has been leading a coalition of over 70 grassroots organizations. And these are organizations that are made up of Um, South Asian communities, they're also made up of ultra-Orthodox Jewish communities, Mormon communities, English as a second language, teacher associations, high school guidance counselors. There's a very broad community that cares deeply about this. Um, But frankly, it has not gotten the attention or the press that needs to be given to this issue. Well, what about legal organizations? Aren't they disturbed by it? Yes. I mean, legal organizations are certainly disturbed by it. I think there are two problems with what legal organizations can do. One is that many of them are strapped and overwhelmed with requests for services, as it is. Funding for legal aid in the United States has been going down year after year after year, even though issues of justice and fairness and and, and issues of violence have been only increasing. So there's kind of a net problem with access to services. Um, But the other issue is that there is no law you can use to help these children. So just to give you an example, um, we were called at the Tahereh Justice Center by a young woman who lived in Virginia. She was a high school student, and she belonged to um, – her family was from a Middle Eastern community. And her father was upset because she had become too Americanized. They were worried about her dishonoring the family. They were worried about her chastity. And they arranged for her to marry a much, much older first cousin. She was about 15 years old at the time. She went to her teacher, she went to her principal, and um, they were noticing, for example, that she was gone from school a lot, that her grades had plummeted, she was being violently abused by ho- at home when she was rejecting the marriage, and her parents were going to take her out of school and send her abroad for the marriage. She confided in um, the authorities at the school. They, in turn, reached out to us. We gave her a safety plan, and we gave her uh, a phone from the Verizon safe phone program, and we worked out a plan. I mean, she loved her family. She loved her siblings, and, in fact, her younger sister was being threatened with the same marriage if she didn't accept oh it. Oh, my herself. God. So it was not a light thing for her to to reject and to try to escape. But, in fact, one night she heard her mother arguing with her father and learned that the marriage had been planned for that weekend. So this was a Thursday. She contacted us, and we triggered the safety plan that we had worked out with her. During her lunch break, we came to the school, and we got her, and then we marched her into court. And we went to court, and we said, you know, Child Protective Services was refusing to engage in the case because the crime would have taken place abroad, the forced marriage. They believed there was nothing for them to intervene with here on U.S. soil. And there was no legal mechanism to help her. Our temporary restraining orders require that you're an adult. Our shelters require that you're an adult. And where Child Protective Services refuses engagement, there is no way to help you. And so we walked into court and basically asked the judge to give us custody of her, because there was no government agency that would take custody of her. Hold that that thought. We're going to leave it right there
1: with you about to ask the judge for custody of her, and we're going to continue in court with a young woman desperate to escape a forced marriage. Stay with us. I'm Victoria Jones.
0: Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. 888-6 Leslie.
1: I'm Victoria Jones, in for Leslie Marshall. Today with you, we'll be taking your calls a little bit later on. Right now I'm talking with miller Muro of the Tahare Justice Center. And she's telling us a, a harrowing story of a young woman, 15, from Middle Eastern background, who's being put into a forced marriage by her parents, her father in particular. She's about to be sent out of the country to marry a much older first cousin. That weekend, um, the Taray Justice Center have taken her out of school. They've got her into a courtroom. She's before a judge. And what? What's happening?
0: Well, we're making... um arguments based on no law, basically. So we're asking the judge to help us protect this young woman, fully knowing that she's ineligible legally for a temporary restraining order because she's not old enough to ask for one for herself. She's ineligible to stay in a shelter because she's not old enough. Child Protective Services refuses to engage. And we also know that if she's sent abroad, there would be no way to help her. So the United States, even though someone's a U.S. citizen, if they're sent abroad for this purpose and then forced into a marriage, will generally do nothing to help them. Now, this is in stark contrast, by the way, with the United Kingdom, who has something called a forced marriage unit. It's actually a governmental unit that straddles what, for us, would be the Department of Homeland Security and State Department. They work collaboratively. And if a British citizen is sent abroad against their They'll actually help them escape. Um, But our State Department won't do that, and we've actually tried to help many girls who were, in fact, sent abroad for marriage escape, and it's a real uphill battle. And in a recent PBS special, the State Department actually admitted that it was um, faulty in this policy and that they had no mechanism to help U.S. citizen girls who were sent abroad. So with this particular case, we were desperate, and we asked for something that was outside of the law. We asked for them to give us custody of her, and they did that, not because they were legally able to, but because the judge happened to be a really good person. Um, there was legal counsel there from uh, Child Protective Services. And she basically said, I know I'm doing this outside of the law, um, but happy to be sued over it. And then we can bring it up the court and we can make law. Now, no one did, though, because they understood that this person really did need help. Um, It was one of those instances where even people working for government agencies that were ineffective and completely impotent and had no law on their side had a human side to them. And so they allowed us. Uh, we had a, a supporter who helped this girl. They, she lived underground for a period of time, and we were able to protect her. But I share the example because our laws are completely inadequate. And in the United States, we talked earlier about there being no minimum, uh, there being minimum age requirements, but them being waivable by the consent of the parents. There are 27 states who have no floor on how young you can be. And so we have a real problem in U.S. law to protect victims of child marriage.
1: And let's, let's be very clear, because we've only got about a minute left. You mentioned the story of a girl with Middle Eastern background. Many of these children are coming from conservative Christian backgrounds.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, when you see the numbers, like 4,500 from Texas last year alone, and then you talk to the advocates that are a part of our coalition, many of these girls are, in fact, from conservative Christian families. Many are Caucasian, um, multi-generation Americans. There are also significant communities of ultra-Orthodox Jews, Mormons. There are many, many communities affected by forced and child marriage who are not making the news.
1: And in terms of what people can do about this who are listening right now and who are outraged, what can they do? Can they contact their member of Congress? What should they do?
0: They should go to the Tahirih Justice Center's website. Um, it's www.tahirih.org and we have a petition on our website, we have information, we have sample letters that people can send to their congressmen and women, and we have advocacy tools that can be used to help end child-enforced marriage in the United States.
1: Lady Miller-Moreau, thank you very much for coming on and talking about this issue. I, I was just so blown away that this was going on and that the clerks were signing off on this and that Judges were, by and large, doing nothing about this, that I had to talk with you about it. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you so much for shedding light on this important issue. Have a nice day I really evening. appreciate
1: it. Thank you.